We're going to start in Matthew chapter 16 tonight. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 is where we're going to start. Let me, let me go ahead and open in prayer and then we will get into the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this night and we pray you bless it. Open up your word to us. And Lord Jesus, we just ask that you give us understanding about this thing we call the church. This wonderful mystery that you've allowed us to be a part of. And uh, open up your word, convict us, challenge us, lead us, and we pray this in your holy name. Amen. I, uh, <clears throat> yesterday we were, oh, I, I almost forgot one. This is a really important announcement. And I know tonight's a bad night to make this announcement because it's a small group. Uh, if you would be willing to help us out on Sundays in preparation for Sunday night service, we are in need of a new person to start doing the purchasing of like the desserts and stuff before service. Um, so if you're available, I got one hand up, I think. Was that a hand? All right, we got one. All right. If anybody else is available, let me know because we need some help with that. And like tonight we actually realized like, oh, hey, there's no dessert here. <laughs> so we've it slipped our minds. So uh, if you're available to help out with setup of Sunday nights or something like that, please let us know. We, we could get, definitely use the help. All right, said that. All right, last night I was, or yesterday I was working with a youth group at my parents' house and uh, we were doing a fundraiser for our Texas mission trip. And uh, while we were, we were, my dad I don't think has ever cleaned his garage in, in the entire time I grew up in that house. We, I moved into their house when I was two years old and, uh, and I don't think I ever saw the garage floor then and I certainly had never seen it since. And in fact, it's always been a running joke with my sisters and I that um, please leave your house to someone else because we don't want to have to clean this mess in the, in the garage. Well, my, uh, my parents, I, I encouraged my parents, why don't you hire, have the youth group come over. We're trying to raise money for San Antonio, Texas for our mission trip. Why don't you have us come over? Because they were actually going to hire some other people. Let us come over and help you clean this and we'll build a loft in the garage and then you can just give the youth group a donation, whatever the Lord puts on your heart for our mission trip. And my parents were like, okay, that sounds good. And I could tell my dad was like, but wait, are we going to just throw away everything? I'm like, don't worry, dad, you can point which gets thrown away and what doesn't. So anyway, we have this trailer, this dump truck trailer full of garbage that is all going to the trash. And, and all this stuff is pulled out. And I've got my construction tools out there because we're building this loft. And people are starting to come up because they think there's a giant garage sale going on at the home, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like telling the kids, hey, make sure nobody buys my tools, okay? That's really important. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't sell my tools for a dollar, whatever you do. But uh, so we were working, and then a lady comes by, and she says, oh, what are you guys doing? Are you having a garage sale? And no, we're working. And uh, she says, oh, that's neat. And well, who are all these kids? And uh, my mom said, oh, these are kids from our church, our youth group. And that's my son. He, he's uh, one of the pastors at the church. He's like, oh, he looks like a contractor. And I'm like, ah, I'm playing the part, you know. And uh, so she starts talking about like, well, I go to church. You know, I'm in the church of Christ. And the you know, the church of Christ is that church mentioned in the Bible. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. In the book of Romans, it says the church of Christ. And I'm like, I think you're misapplying that a little bit. Um, and uh, so she goes on and I'm like, I'm trying to work, but I'm like, if she mentions anything about being baptized into their church, it's on. I'm, we're going full cult mode here, and I'm going to deal with it. Uh, well, anyway, she, she ended up leaving because I, 
I, I said, you know, the church is important. In fact, this, this coming Sunday night at Calvary Chapel Old Town, we're going to be talking about what the church of Christ really is if you want to come. And anyway, she ended up leaving. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are cults out there. There are cults out there that will say, hey, we're the true church. We're the church that you've got to be baptized into. Hey, if you really want to know the church, be part of us. And tonight what I want to deal with is what is the church? What is this ecclesia that the Bible talks about? That word ecclesia is, is the Greek word for church or how our New Testament translates the word church. It literally means assembly. And, and it comes from the idea of a, a public assembly even, ecclesia. It's not a special name given for only Christians, in the, at least in the New Testament. And I think there was some wisdom in the writings of the early church to use this term ecclesia. Because when you have this new group starting out, you don't want people to think that it's some wild, disorganized group. And by saying, no, it's an assembly of Christ or of, of followers of Christ, we get the idea. And so we've taken that word ecclesia and we, we translate it church. And in fact, the word ecclesiology is the study of the doctrines of the church. But it starts out in Matthew 16, 18. This is the first time we see the word church in the New Testament. And this is what Jesus said. Peter was up with Jesus and Jesus asked him that, that, that question, who do people say the Son of Man is? And of course, Peter talked about what some people say. And some people say you're a prophet. Some people say you're John the Baptist, reincarnate, Elijah, Jeremiah. And then Jesus said, well, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you're the Christ. Well, then Jesus' response to Peter is, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, here's the verse, 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So here in this first passage, we see the term church or assembly or ecclesia mentioned to the New Testament disciples. Now, it's not, it's not that far of a term. It's not a far-fetched term for Peter to understand. It wasn't like Peter, Jesus was telling him something new that he had never understood before. In fact, in the Old Testament, when we talk about the assembly of God's people or the synagogue, often the word in the Greek translation of the Old Testament was ekklesia. Uh, we have a couple words in the Greek for that. We have synagogue, synagogue, okay. I'm sorry, I'm jumbling over my words here, and ecclesia. But when it talks about Moses coming down with the tablets before the ecclesia, the assembly in the New Testament Greek or the Old Testament Greek translation. So when Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia, I don't think Peter was really going, okay, wait, what's this new establishment you're trying to make? Well, let me, well, do we need membership? What do we got to get going to this? In fact, I think it was a very natural thing because it was in reference to a community of believers, a community of those who are of faith, not like the, the uh, community of those who are a community of students or some other community, but we're talking about a community of those who believe by faith. I read an interesting article or uh, uh, this article about a pastor in a small town Oklahoma. He spent his first four days making personal visits to each members of, of the new church he was taking over, inviting them to come to his first services. The following Sunday, the church was all but empty. 
Accordingly, the pastor placed a notice in the local newspaper stating that because the church was dead, it was everyone's duty to give it a decent Christian burial. The funeral would be held the following Sunday afternoon, and the the notice said, morbidly curious, a large crowd turned out for the funeral in front of the pulpit. They saw a closed coffin smothered in flowers. After the pastor delivered his eulogy, he opened the coffin and invited his congregation to come forward and pay their respects to their dead church. Filled with curiosity as to what would represent the corpse of a dead church, all the people started lining up to look into the coffin. And to their surprise, it was a mirror that they were looking at inside the coffin, just tilted right so they saw themselves. You know, this pastor went to great lengths to talk about a dead church. And I'll tell you right now, the church is alive and well. The church is alive and well. And the church will continue to be alive and well because we're in Christ. We're the faith community. And, uh, but we, we do need to start looking at some purpose here at the church. And I think this is where people get most confused and most disgruntled and most upset about church. Is they don't understand the purpose. Many people think the purpose of church, this rock in which Jesus is building upon... The, or the, 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 uh, this, the, the, the church that he is building is about meeting my needs. Many people come to church thinking, all right, does this church meet my needs? D- does it fulfill what I need in a church? Now, to a certain extent, that's a valid question to ask. You know, if you have a, uh, we've, we've had kids come to our church because of a youth group. They, they were at a church that had no youth group and their kids becoming a teenager and I think youth groups are very important. And so we've had some people come to, to our fellowship here because they needed a youth group or something like that. And so to a certain extent, it's a valid question about meeting needs. But that can't be the only reason why you come to church. Really, when we come to church, we should be asking ourselves, am I meeting the needs of the church? Am I meeting the needs of the church? That's really what we should be asking. I'll explain why in a minute. So let's get into this real fast. So upon this rock, what what is the rock that Christ is building his church? Well, it certainly is not Peter. It is this good confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So the church starts with faith and it continues therein. We can be discouraged by church. We can say that like, oh, you know, this church is that, this church is that. Oh, I don't like how this pastor is. I wish that pastor was a little more exciting than I would want to listen to him more. Um, and so, but, you know, come tell me. Don't tell everybody else because it's, you know, I'm just kidding. All right. But um, the, the, the thing that we get frustrated with church about is we, I, I think like anything, that we groan about the institutionalization of church. The idea that the church, when it gets really institutionalized, it doesn't have that freedom. We feel like, are we really meeting the New Testament calling of what the church is supposed to be? And that's a fair frustration, but we're going to talk about that tonight. So, all right, as we get into this, let's go to Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. We're going to jump around a couple times here. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Of course, and that answers that question about the rock. Christ Jesus himself is that cornerstone and spiritual brick by spiritual brick, person by person, this wonderful fellowship of the house of God is being built. So what is this verse telling us? First of all, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So in the broad sense of the word, ecclesia or church means those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are a part of the company of the faithful throughout the world. That's the large sense of the term. So when we talk about the church, I have a brother in here tonight who's actually part of another fellowship. Actually, we have a few brothers in here that are part of, like their main home fellowship church is, is a different fellow, small fellowship or church. Um, we've got Calvary Chapel LAX being represented here tonight. And then uh, what, was, what was the church you go to in the morning? Orange County Christian Fellowship. Do we have any others? Morning? Oh, yeah. Cerritos Presbyterian Church. Yes, we've got one of them too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So we actually have, some of us are serving at other churches in the morning or other fellowships, but we are all part of Christ's church. And I would never, ever want to convince you to leave where you're serving. I don't want you to do that. You know what? I want Praise God you are serving and using your gifts where God has placed you. That is something I would celebrate knowing that God is, is spreading out our fellowship. You know, we're, we're coming together. We're going to worship him together. We're going to serve. And maybe we're serving other places, whatever the case is. But praise God, we're all part of one church focused on one thing, making disciples, evangelizing and making disciples. So... We, we recognize that in the broad sense of the ter- term, when we talk about church, we're talking about those who are part of the faithful throughout the world. Now, we could br- start breaking that down. And, and, and actually, uh, throughout the history, church history, you had some weird ideas about church. Some people thought that the church was uh, made up of, of uh, well, we had believers and unbelievers. And then we had angels involved in there. And we've had different things throughout the years. But we know ultimately... The true church is those who believe in Christ. Broader sense, we may have someone here that don't know Christ. They don't really believe in Christ. But they're coming and fellowshipping. Well, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're hearing the word. But no, you're not part of the true church. You're, you're welcome to be part of us. You're welcome to, to, to worship with us. You're welcome to learn about God with us. But don't deceive yourself and think you're actually a part of the church. Okay, so that, that is the, the true church is those who belong to the household of faith, those who have given their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. In regards to purpose, let's go to Acts 2.42 and this wonderful passage about the early church. Acts 2.42. Now, here we have the early, early church. They've just gotten their start. We, 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 it, we're just after Pentecost. And this is, this is what happens the, right after Pentecost. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The fellowship to the, to, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The first thing I want you to understand about the ecclesia is it belongs to Jesus Christ and only him. It doesn't belong to a pastor, a person. It doesn't belong to a, a, a specific name group, the church of Christ, that, that cult. It belongs only to Jesus Christ. He is the founder. He is the architect, the builder, the designer. He, he is the cornerstone of the church. And in order for us to know what, what the purpose of church is and my purpose in church, we must go to the founder and author of it, the architect of it, the builder of it, and look to him. That's what we must do. And notice that day by day, he is the one who added to the church those who were being saved. It wasn't the church laboring to do this. It wasn't the church going, oh man, we got to get our numbers up. We've got to, you know, last week I saw that the Sunday night service was this and now this week it's way down. All right, Dave, it's time to get a new pastor. because you know, No, it's not about that. In fact, when I see we have a small group on a Sunday night, I'm like, all right, cool. We have a small group. We'll worship together with a small group. I'm not, I'm not insecure about what Christ is going to do. Now, if, if there's an issue with me, then I, I'll have to deal with it. But I recognize that it is God who is building the church, not Dave Johnson. And one, that takes a lot of pressure off me. That's, that's like good right there. But two, it allows me to look to him to build, not me looking to Dave Johnson. And I'll tell you right now, if, if I strive to build something, it's going to be a mess. But if God, the perfect one, if he builds, it will be good and glorious and he will bring us all together. So the church is Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, mistake in that. Now with that said, your attitude towards church should be that recognizing that it belongs to Jesus Christ. Your attitude towards the church should be recognizing that it belongs to Jesus Christ. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. How many times over the years have I, I, I've met with people and they, they, uh, they think because they've given a tithe to the church or an offering or because they give X amount of dollars, they now own the church and they get to decide how the church runs. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. I'll never forget Pastor Rod had a, a person come up to him when, when uh, our church was very young. And uh, the, the person didn't like that it was something. Uh, we, oh, that's right. It was when we first started a contemporary service. And if, if you come to first service, we have a choir and hymns and everything and and uh, the church decided, hey, we're going to start a contemporary service. And so they, they, they brought in drums and they brought in a, a keyboard. And this is like really dangerous territory, I'll tell you that right now, in the 1990s. Well, this person was outraged and they came up to Pastor Rod, the senior pastor in, in the mornings. And they said, uh, Rod, you know, we're going to take our tithe and leave if you don't get rid of the drums in church. The drums are an abomination in church. And Rod said, well, God bless you. See you later. Wow, they thought that it's their church. They thought that in some way they had bought into a stock and they could dictate what that church is going to do because they had given money. 
our attitude towards the church needs to be recognized. We need to recognize that the church belongs to Jesus Christ. It doesn't belong to us. And as such, God puts leadership in charge of churches and fellowships. And we have to submit to that leadership. Trust me, I, I um, you know, there's times when, when uh, I don't agree with leadership in this church. You know, we have disagreements about how to go about doing something. But it does not end in me going, that's it, I'm out of here. No, it means, okay, I've said my part and you guys don't want to go with my part, so I'll submit to the leadership. Then <laughs> we'll keep moving forward. I'll never forget me disagreeing with Ken. Just kidding. <laughs> Just being pointed out in the middle of a service, yeah. No. Um, so the church not only belongs to Christ, but our attitude needs to be to recognize that the church is Christ. And it's important to Jesus. In Ephesians, when, when Paul is giving us instructions for married couples, and he talks about submitting to one another out of, out of reverence for Christ, wives to your husbands as to the church, or as, as to, to the Lord, sorry, as to the Lord. And then he goes on to say that, that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her. And he, he continues on and he says, and I'm telling you about a mystery. I'm not talking about men and women. I'm talking about Christ and the church. This whole illustration of marriage, Paul, Paul begins to tell us that, hey, God has given us marriage so that we would understand the relationship of the church and Jesus Christ. And how important the church is to Jesus. In fact, some of the metaphors used in Scripture about the church is the bride. We recognize that, that we're called the bride of Christ multiple times. The, another metaphor is that, of course, a fruit-bearing tree, an olive tree, olive branch. Uh, the body, Christ is the head. And so when we start to think about these metaphors that are used about the church, when we think about a body... And Christ being the head, is the body important to us? You better believe it. I mean, imagine how well you would do without your body. If, if all of a sudden you were just left with a head one day, how well would you do? <laughs> I mean, I, after you get over the shock, of course. But you would be very upset. In fact, most people that are paralyzed or go, become quadriplegics, there's a lot of depression that sets in. When they lose their limbs or lose the, the ability to use their body, Depression sets in because the fact is, is you have this part that doesn't work right. and You have an appendage that should be able to do something, but it cannot. The body's very important. And of course, <laughs> then you give the reflection of Christ in the church as a bride and a groom. Now you've got a real illustration of how important the church is to Christ. When, when you think about it, I don't know about you other husbands in here. But I would do anything for my wife. I would easily lay myself down for her. I would easily, you know, if, she, if, she, if my wife is hurting, I'm hurting. If, if my wife is rejoicing, I'm rejoicing. My wife is actually sick right now. She's at home and um, she, she finished up her school year and, and almost immediately because of all the, all the grades are entered and everything. She got sick Friday night and she's been kind of struggling with being sick. And right before the service, I call her and say, hey, honey, how are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm doing good. I just woke up from a nap and I'm, I'm, I'm okay. She's got all this, you know, taking Robitussin and whatnot. And, but I'm just concerned about her. It's cold. She's, it's not a life or death situation, but I'm concerned about her. Because she can't be here with us because she's sick. Because she's my wife. 
I love her and I care for her. This, this illustration that Christ gives to us about his church should move us to recognize how important the church is to Christ. Now look around for a minute. Go ahead, just look around at each other. I know this is super awkward. It's like, I got to look at a stranger. This is weird. And like, I'm just going to look and smile. <laughs> Tyson does the awkward smile when he. <laughs> so, but when we look around at each other, recognize that this body of believers is so important to Christ. Christ refers to him as his bride. Are they that important to you? Are they that important to you? I, I think we should think about that. When we think about church and how we interact with the church, we should start asking ourselves, man, is the church important to me? When I come on Sunday night, am I making an effort to get to know others? Am I making an effort to say, can I pray for you in any way? <laughs> it's totally the American way. To say, hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. See you later. You know, it's like sweet. I didn't have to talk. Um, or high five. <laughs> cool. See you later. You know, that's that's what we do, right? And and especially, and it's even the American way when someone says, hey, are you doing okay? Us to say, yeah, I'm doing great. When our lives our lives may be falling apart inside, or we may not be doing good. We may be dealing with doubt. We may be dealing with sickness. We may be dealing with a whole host of things we may be dealing with looking for a job, but we don't want to say it. You know why? We don't want to burden people. And you might be one of the people that like, please say everything's great so I can keep moving, right? I hope you're not that way. Because I'll tell you right now, if I treated my wife that way, if, if I came home and I'd say, everything good? Cool. See you later. I don't think I'd have a marriage. In fact, my wife sent me a text before the service and, and um, she was asking, <laughs> my wife asked me, I'm going to just read this text to you. She, she was asking me about dinner tonight. She sent it to me this morning and said, uh, I feel terrible. Uh, are, 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 are we eating at home tonight or going out? Uh, I'm good either way. Just let me know so I can get stuff to make for dinner. I feel terrible. And I, I put, uh, uh, I put uh, you know, don't worry about it. Whatever you want to do, we'll do. If you want me to bring something home, we'll do. And she put I love you. Thank you for being kind to me while I'm sick. Now, I really didn't do anything yet, so I got to come through with that. But, <laughs> but the whole point was is, is I actually show her that I care. I'm praying for her. Are we, are we willing to do that and get uncomfortable with others in church? I'll tell you right now, if you want a fellowship to grow, you start fulfilling its purpose in Christ. You start ministering to each other. Let's look at this early church here in Acts 2.42, what it says. What did they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. First thing they devoted themselves to is the teaching of the word of God. They recognized that what is the purpose of church? Well, the purpose of church, one of the purposes of church is to be taught the word of God. The word of God takes precedence. Now, if you go to a fellowship and the word of God is never taught, then maybe you should consider looking for a fellowship where the word is taught. Because what you have in a fellowship where the word is not taught is you have an event, a community event, not a church service. And you say, well, wait a minute, isn't the teaching part the boring part? Well, 
maybe it is, but sometimes we got to teach ourselves to eat vegetables, right? It's got to happen. So the, the key thing to a growing church is a church devoted to te- the teaching of the word. Second thing is they were devoted to the fellowship. This is that awkward part I was talking about, the koinonia, that, intent, that intimate fellowship with one another. And, and it kind of goes into this fellowship a little bit more by saying what they did. Here's what it says that they did. All, um, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling possessions, belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. So what we see here is... Uh, <laughs> Don't text me during church. It gets me distracted, Joe. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'll get back to you on that. Uh, so guys, just so you know, my iPad's linked to my phone and it comes down like, uh, uh, okay, <laughs> i got to figure out a way to separate that during church. So um, all, all they, here they are meeting each other's needs. Now, we see a little bit of a communist aspect happening within the early church, but it was different than communism. A couple of things I want to say is, one, they were doing this as they, they desired to. It was completely free. Nobody was telling them they have to give up everything. It was just a complete free will offering that they were giving to the church. Uh, so don't think that this is, every church has to be a communist organization. That is not at all. In fact, throughout the Bible and, and the New Testament, there's rules about about not stealing, and if there's a rule about not stealing, then that means there's possessions that what you own that can be stolen, okay? So, so this is not a promotion for communism, but what I do want to say is they recognized each other's needs and they went out of their way to meet needs. Does that happen in our church today? Yes, it does. How does it happen? Well, sometimes it happens through prayer. Sometimes we pray for one another. We say, okay, yeah, I recognize you have a need. It's a need that is way beyond me meeting, but let's pray for you. And we continue praying. And, um, and, and you know what? A lot of times we end up praying for people over and over about the same thing persistently. But just because a, something doesn't get answered right away doesn't mean we stop praying and, and stop lifting up that need to the Lord. Another way that we, we look to meet needs is our church has a, a deacon fund. What is the deacon fund used for? Every Christmas we receive a, a, a giving at the Christmas Eve service. That all goes into the deacon fund. And that deacon fund is used to help out members in need in the church throughout the coming year. And amazingly, God provides. This year alone I've seen God meet so many needs. I've seen him pay hospital bills, uh, rent, house payments, cars. I've, I've seen God meet so many needs through that deacon fund already this year. And uh, if the deacon fund is something you want to give to, you're more than welcome to. Just on your check in the memo portion, just put deacon fund. And it will go right into that fund and it will be used for those in need or hurting. Um, We have a food bank now. That food bank is used for those who need food. So the church is always looking to meet the needs of, of the people in the fellowship. We want to do that. That's still happening today in this church, not just in the New Testament church. So, and as far as our, our giving goes, the giving comes into the church. And uh, by the way, I just want to say a, a little bit about giving to the church. Where does your money go when you give to the church? Well, we have a budget 
usually we budget in faith what God's going to bring in. I grew up in a church where every, every um, year when it came time for giving, you would send out a card and the card would say, how much are you going to commit to giving this year? And you would have to write down what you were going to commit to giving and come back. And Now, some churches do that and that's totally up to them. There's nothing unbiblical about asking the congregation to be part of the committed to the church. There's nothing unbiblical about that. But I love, I love seeing what our church does come budget time. It's so awesome. Every year we start praying and we say, all right, Lord, show us what to do in the budget this year. And um, every year we come up with a number and every year God meets that budget. I've never seen God not meet the budget we prayed about and, and felt like the Lord really told, put it on our hearts to go this amount for this year's budget. And it happens every year. And so um, with our church, most of the money is budgeted out to, through different programs, youth ministry, college ministry, evangelism, office, electrical bills, all those sorts of things. All that money is budgeted out. And, uh, and not one pastor in this church makes an excessive sal- salary. We don't make a ton of money. And I just want to clear this up right now. I don't make money for doing weddings, funerals, counseling, or anything like that. Those are things that I recognize that as a person who is on staff here at a church, it's my responsibility to minister to the people. That's why you all have freed me up from being a tent maker as well so that I can continue serving the church more. Okay, so I'm not going to go make extra money doing these other things. Those are services that as a pastor, someone who's been freed up from being a tent maker or doing another outside job, I can devote this time to God's people. But nobody is making it. And if you guys, any of you want to know what I make, all you got to do is set up a meeting with the finance say, say, hey, how much does Dave make? I heard he might be making too much money. Just go ask him. They'll tell you. So it's, it's no secret. Our books are open. So if you ever have a question about church finances and how the church is using money, you can just go ask, and they'll, they'll lay out everything for you. All right. Uh, so they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the koinonia, taking care of one another, the breaking of bread and prayers. The breaking of bread and prayers. Well, they were praying for each other, intercessing for each other, bringing each other's needs before the Lord, not only their needs, but also the needs of evangelizing a culture and discipling this group that they were trying to reach out to. Man, if you want to, to have reasons to pray, start living as a disciple of Christ. If, if you want to if you have want to see prayer met and prayer needs met, start trying to share the gospel with people in your workplace, job or uh, school, wherever you're at, just Start living as a disciple and then God will start putting prayer needs on your heart. You'll start praying and you'll start seeing answers. So they were praying. Last thing they were doing is they were um, committed to breaking of bread. Now, entrance into the assembly in the Old Testament was through, anybody, anybody take a guess tonight? Since we have a small group, we'll just do this. Anybody take a guess? What? How do you become a member of Israel or the Ecclesia in the Old Testament, how do you become a member in that Old Testament? You got it. Circumcision. Praise God, that's not an entryway <laughs> today. Okay. So I, I, today, part of being a member in this church uh, or the, the, the church of God in the broad sense, 
There are things you do also that show you're a member of the church of God. And those things are baptism and the Lord's table, communion. Those are, those are two, two ordinances Christ has given to us that show we are a part of his church. Okay, now, that has nothing to do with salvation. It has no bearing on, on you're saved or unsaved. But it shows that you are a member of the church, baptism and the Lord's table. It shows that I'm in Christ. I take part in his body and his blood. The bread broken, his body broken for us. The juice, or wine in some churches, but the juice is his blood shed for us, which is a symbol of what? The new covenant that he's made with us. The old covenant was where? On Sinai. And part of the, being part of the assembly with the old covenant was keeping the law, circumcision, all that. The new covenant is through faith in Christ. And this is part of how we know we are members of Christ's church is partaking in these ordinances. Okay? All right. Here's what I want to challenge you to do um, in closing. I would like to challenge you to consider, I'm sorry, I think, no, we started late. Okay, I'm looking at the time going, what? I want to I challenge you to never give up on Christ's church. And what I mean by that is a lot of people now, are, there's a whole group called the Duns now, and they're just done with church. I think it's the dun, dumbest thing ever. And they'll even say that they came to this conclusion by prayer. There's no way they came to that conclusion by prayer because Jesus recognizes his church is important to him. You don't just give up on a fellowship or give up on church. Now, there are times when God moves us out of a fellowship into another fellowship, and that happens. That's, that, that's just something that happens. But don't give up on the church. You are the body. And the hand is needed for the rest of the body to function. Your gifts, your talents, your prayers, your fellowship, it is needed within the body of Christ. Start ministering to each other. Allow that koinonia to develop. Walk across the room and start getting to know each other and be the church of Christ. Allow them to start building, recognizing that our main function is evangelism and discipleship. That's our, our main function. That's the whole goal of the church. Evangelism and discipleship, and it's done through these things we talked about tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for your plan of salvation. We thank you, Lord, for dying on that cross for us. And we thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you that we get to be a part of it. I love the fellowship here. But, Lord, I pray that you would knit us together in our hearts. Lord, that we would be in unity, moving together in love for one another. We thank you. Lord, let us bring glory to you always, never to ourselves. And we pray this in your name. Amen.